Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to have a good time this morning. If you have your Bible, uh, 1 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 17. And again, I'm going to read eight verses. And I'm starting a brand new series today called First. First. Say it with me, First. First is not a series we'll do every year, and it will be. First will be a part of our identity as a community. You see, I believe you show me anyone on the earth that does significant things for God, I will show you somebody that knows the principle of putting God first. It's hard for God to be anything but first. He's not good at second, third, fourth, or fifth. God is really awesome, though, at being first. And so today we're going to start a series, which, again, I really feel like this is more than just a message this isn't really an uh, announcement of the type of church that we will be. We are a church that will continue to push God first, to, to make him first in all the things that we do, all the things that we say. Uh, what are you into? I'm into what he's into. Come on. If I was at a restaurant with Jesus, I'm having what he's ordering. Come on. I want, I want what he's after. And so I believe today as we're, we're starting this series, we're going to look at the next few weeks about first things in the Bible. First things in the Bible. If you're taking notes today, uh, I want you to talk about, I'm going to write the title down first, and I want you to write this title down, Collecting Sticks. Collecting Sticks. And uh, we're going to have a good time today. If you believe it, go ahead and say it on credit. Amen. Amen. All right. Don't, don't, let the, don't let the crowd fool you. Um, we are a, a vibrant church. We are a, we are a responsive church. You're not going to scare me with a couple amens. Uh, some people are like, why do they talk back to the guy? Like, it should be quiet, right? No, I think that society trains the church to shut up, but sporting events to get loud. And we're not going to be, a, come on, a church that celebrates for strangers in uniforms, but not for a God that knows our name. And so we're a little bit more, come on, fire, come on, fired up a little bit this morning. All right. All right. Just want to explain why we do that. So uh, chapter 17, verse, verse 8, it says this, then the word of the Lord, if you're tuning in online, welcome. If you're sharing on Facebook Live, you can share this right now, but welcome everybody. Can we welcome everyone watching online right now? Thousands of people this week, welcome to Ocean's Church. It says this, chapter 17, verse 8 of 1 Kings, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, said, arise, I want you to go to Zarephath, and I want you, uh, which belongs to, to, to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you, to provide for you. So he arose and he went there. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. Say with me, gathering sticks. Gathering sticks. And when he called to her, he said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And, and as she was going to get the water, he said again one more time. It's kind of like your wife when, you know, when your wife tells you to get something for her, right? And you get everything, and you're almost back to your comfortable couch. And she's like, hey, there's one more thing. I need you to grab the keys out of the car. Where's the car? It's in Madagascar. Come on. It's one more thing. So it's kind of what happens here. And essentially he says, bring me, uh, also bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. She goes, as the Lord lives, I, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin. I got a little jar of oil. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks couple sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it, here's where it gets morbid, and die. So it goes from a pretty normal story until she drops the D word. Come on. So we're going to eat this last meal, and we're going to die. Elijah said to her, do not fear. 
Go and do as you have said, but here's the only thing I want you to change. Make me a small cake from it first. Make a small cake. Come on. Small cake for me. Come on. Whenever a preacher goes quiet, that's your cue. Come on. Make it for me. All right, there it is. First, and bring it to me, and afterwards, make some for yourself and for your son. This, this is what God's saying uh, to Israel. The bin of flour uh, shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil will ever run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. This is during a really severe uh, recession, depression, drought. And so she went away, did according to all that Elijah said to her. And, and he and her household, all of them, they ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor was the jar of oil ever running dry, according to everything that the man of God, the, the word of the Lord, that came to Elijah. Let's pray this morning. I want to talk to you about collecting sticks. That's all right. God, we just want to say thank you so much that uh, you're a good God, that you love us. Contrary to some of us beliefs, uh, some of our beliefs today, we thank you that you're not angry with us. I thank you that you're not looking for a reason to pick on us, to punish us. But I just thank you that 2,000 years ago, you found one eternal reason to love us forever. I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. I thank you for what you're doing in Orange County. I thank you that, God, you're blessing the Los Angeles Lakers. I pray we'd have a phenomenal time together as a church. I pray you'd move powerfully, speak directly in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Everyone said amen. 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 I, uh, I don't know what it is, man. I've always been kind of drawn to, uh, to first thing. Like, I've always, I've always been competitive. Uh, I've always... My wife and I, I don't know if you can relate to this, if you uh, are married to a competitive person, it's usually nice when you're married to someone competitive if you're not. Problem when you're both competitive is you break out board games for the holidays. It gets hostile. Anybody relate to this? Uh, my family, my wife's family is severely competitive, and uh, we just don't like to lose. I, I hate, I, I'll be honest, I hate losing. I'm just not... I, I, it's a kind of a thing that I'm trying to work through right now. It's hard for me to learn new sports because I don't like not being good. Anybody relate to this? Three of you. God bless those three people. You're awesome. I can tell. Uh, I don't like losing. Uh, I like winning. And I don't know why, but I feel like that's a, a human condition that inside of all of us, we all desire to win. I don't think anyone ever dreams about worst case scenario. Most people always, they come on, if you're going to dream, you dream in best case. You dream in, man, what would it be like to win the, win the race? What would it be like to get first place? And I've learned that in the Bible, you can write this down. It's kind of a little bit of a spoiler. But I've learned that first, best, and beginnings are all connected. Throughout Scripture, first, best, and beginning, they are all tied. They are all connected. And uh, it's interesting because even as a country, uh, during the Olympics, we don't send our worst. We send our best. We send our best because we want to, like, I know, like, I could not do a lot of things. I couldn't run the 100-yard dash and beat Hussein Bolt. I might be in the, I, I think I could actually do pretty good in the power cleaning because I'm pretty good with a vacuum. Um, dad joke. I just, I have a deep appetite to win. I believe that all of us, we have a desire for what's the best. We have a desire for best, and we have a desire for first place because we're made in the image of God. How do you know you're in the first? Because all of you, I know you, you go on Yelp. You go on, come on, trip review. When you're going to eat sushi, come on. I don't want any sushi. I want to spend my $60 on the greatest sushi, come on, in Orange County. If I'm going to go to a beach, I don't want to go to any beach today. I want to find the greatest beach that's reviewed. 
And I don't know why, but we are obsessed with going to the first and going to the best. Voted number, right? We, we always do this. We're like, man, I want to move somewhere that's voted number one. It's like, well, if it's voted number one and everyone knows about it, all the number twos are going to move there. <laughs> Hello, church. And it's no longer going to be number one. I've learned that, that we're drawn to best, we're drawn to first, because intrinsically inside of us, we are made in the image of God. And God is first, and God is best. I'll prove it to you today, but there's a principle throughout Scripture that talks about first, 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 and best. And it's called the principle of first. And today I want to talk to you. It's interesting because uh, in this passage we read, there's a widow woman that's on death's doorstep. It's one of the most severe Uh, droughts, depressions of the day, and God would send Elijah to this very, very poor, very, very troubled woman while she's in the process of preparing her last meal to die. She is actually collecting sticks. God started kind of putting me on this, this trail that I was studying this, but Numbers 15, there's a story about a guy who died because he was collecting sticks on the Sabbath, which was a no-no. And so he collected sticks, and he was stoned to death. In Acts Acts 28, uh, the apostle Paul was gathering sticks right before he was bit by a snake in a fire. And right before he was bit, he was collecting sticks. And right here in 1 Kings 17, there is a widow woman in, in, again, a dire scenario who's gathering sticks but responds differently to Paul and responds differently to the guy in, in Numbers 15 and isn't stoned, isn't stung, she's saved. And I believe that, that stick seasons, gathering sticks, is symbolic of stages and seasons of your life where things are getting ready to change dramatically. I believe this is a, listen, the end of the, end of the year is always a stick-gathering moment of time. It's a time that we respond to God. Are we going to do things the same way we did it last year? Are we going to keep on living our lives the way that we've always lived it? Are we going to keep giving God the same real estate that he's always owned? Or are we going to actually respond a different way? Are we going to try something, come on, say with me, new. We're going to try something new this year. To do the same thing and expect different results is insanity. And we're going to be a church that gets different things in 2020 Because we're going to start collecting sticks and not responding by being stoned or stung, but we're going to respond by being saved. I believe this woman is saved because of the principle that Elijah reveals to her, that he says, look, I know you're on death's doorstep. I know you're in a a, a challenging season. You're in a desperate moment that needs change. What do you do when your marriage needs to change? What do you do when your kids need change? What do you do when your finances are out of array, out of order? They need change. What do you do when your business needs change? I believe those are stick moments that are defining moments that we have to make up our minds right now to do what this woman did. And notice this, that Elijah has the audacity to tell her at her lowest moment, look, I know you have enough left just for you and your son, but I want it for me. Now, I always read this passage in Bible college, and I thought, man, God, you couldn't have sent Elijah to, like, Orange County? You couldn't have sent him to somebody that had a little extra? Couldn't have sent him to someone's house in this city that had a, had a large property and plenty of food and a little smorgasbord of, come on, rice cakes, come, olive garden bread? Come on, if you're going to dream, dream good. You couldn't have sent him somewhere that had more than enough? 
And I realized that God did not send the widow into Elijah's life to bless Elijah. God actually sent Elijah into the widow's life to bless the widow. Why? Because when you're in desperate seasons that need change, you have to learn the principle that Elijah reveals in chapter 17. What does he say? You need change in your life? Here's what we got to do. Make one for me first. Here's what I've learned, that whenever something needs to change, you have to put God first in that area. Marriage is on empty. It's probably because God's two, three, four, or five. Your kids are falling apart. Well, we love, we tell them to love God first, but you value sports and entertainment far above God. You never miss a basketball practice, a sporting event, a soccer camp. You never miss Star Wars when it comes out. Come on, the force is strong. I have spoken. Come on. We don't miss those things. But what do we do? We, we somehow, we, we give God the leftover scraps. When do you go to church? I go to church when we have nothing else going on. So I want my kids to give God first, but the way that I show my lifestyle towards God is he's like third or fourth. I learned that whatever you want God to bless, you give him the first of it. It is the principle of first. Can I get an amen in here? If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. Come on. You give me that Presbyterian eyebrow raise. Our Latter-day Saint deep breath. I believe that whatever you want God to bless, you give him the first. Here's what I know is that the fastest way to emptiness, you ready to write this down? The fastest way to emptiness is to give your first or your best to something other than God. Do you know why more people in America have more than they've ever had? They're doing more than they've ever done. We, we've married models. We live in beautiful properties. We live in the most blessed nation on the earth. But there's more depression and more discouragement. And there's more medicated, addicted people than any other window in history. What is the problem with America? We have it all. Here's the problem is that we have everything, but we're not giving God the first of it. Whenever you give God second, third, fourth, or fifth, you are creating a vacuum in your marriage, your mind, your heart, your spirit, your family to actually allow the devourer to reap havoc in your life. God is not good at number two. Are you following me? He's not good at being number three or number four. He is, come on, he's number, he's the alpha. He's the first. He's the last. Matthew 6, says, seek. It doesn't say seek second, seek third. He says, seek. I dare you to, come on, you didn't know it. Come on, someone gave you the answer. Come on, seek. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me make it, make, make it Western world appropriate. We seek first our castles and our kingdoms and our desires and all these other things we're hoping fall into place. But this, 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 is the, this is the epidemic in America right now is we have more than we've ever had, but we're emptier than we've ever been. Why? It's because the best and the first belongs to God. And when our, now It's getting quiet in here. I can feel it. I think I'm kicking some sacred cows up in here right now. Totally fine. I just want you to know, if you want a healthy marriage, a healthy family, healthy children, we can't say the right things and live the wrong way. Well, I believe that God's first. Okay, then show me where he's first in your life. Here's what I know, and this is very simple points today. You probably guess them before I even give all of them to you. But I believe that this widow teaches us that the first thing that we have to give God is our time. And if God's not first in your time, here's what I know. The first part of anything has the redemptive qualities to redeem the rest. 
It's found in Exodus 13. I'll teach on it later. It's a pretty powerful passage of scripture. But essentially, here's the rule, is that everything that's first has the power to redeem the remaining. So like in Bible days, they would take the first calf and uh, the first thing that opened the womb, it says, and they would actually kill the calf before any other calves were born. And they would honor the Lord. They would actually, because the first always had to be redeemed. Or if it wasn't redeemed, it had to be sacrificed. So if it was unclean, it had to be sacrificed and redeemed. Or no, it had to be, if it was unclean, it had to be sacrificed. And if it was clean, it had to be redeemed. I said that backwards. Are you ready to go? Second time's a charm. Are you ready to go? If it was, whatever was born was unclean, it had to be redeemed. And if it was clean, it had to be sacrificed. This is the Old Testament principle. And scholars say that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And here's the idea here is that Jesus is the lamb who was clean. All of us were born. Are you tracking with me? So we had, we had to be redeemed. How were we redeemed? By a clean sacrifice. So here's what we know is that all the first has to either be redeemed or it has to be sacrificed. And so Jesus comes as the Lamb of God to redeem humanity. He was sacrificed for all. Do you know what that's the tithe is? Tithe means 10. Actually, ironically, the number 10 is the, is the same number for test in numerology. Test is, uh, it's interesting that God would use tithe as test. So funny, isn't it? Because the number one problem most, most Americans have is like, all, all churches want is your money. So they'll say, this wants your money. Your tithe. It's like a have to tithe. Why didn't God put tithing in the new covenant more, more blatantly obvious? I think he put it exactly where he wanted it to be because it's actually a, a matter of the heart that tests you. It's a test. Ten represents tests throughout the Bible. God tested uh, Pharaoh's heart ten times through ten different plagues. God tested uh, Jacob because Laban changed his wages ten different times. There was 10 wise virgins. There was 10, I can go all throughout the scripture, 10, 10, 10. God even had 10 disciples. Come on. That was a test. There was 12. <laughs> throughout scripture, there's been test, test, test. 10 means test. And there's a principle, I'll maybe, I'll maybe dive into it later. This is really powerful. But like when, when Abraham sent his right-hand man to find a wife for his son, it said that he sent him with 10 of his livestock. In the Bible, 10 always represented the whole. So in the 10% represented the mass wealth of the whole. So that's why when he sent him to go find a wife for his daughter, he sent him with 10 of the animals. Why? Because when he showed up and when, when Laban's family saw the 10 animals, the 10, the 10 animals represented the whole of the wealth that Abraham possessed. In the 10 is visible the whole. And that's why what you do with the first 10 of your time, the first 10, the next one is your talent. The first 10% of all that you produce, the first, are you following me, and the best, it belongs to God. And I've learned that if you want God to bless your week, you give him the first part of your week. What's the first day of the week? So you're doing pretty good. Today's Sunday. It's the first day of the week. In the old covenant, the Sabbath was Friday at 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. But as soon as the book of Acts came, the Holy Spirit was poured out. They started meeting as a church on the first day of the week. You want God to bless your week? I give him the first day of the week. I want God to take care of my day. I wake up, and before I, before I honor social media, 
before I honor the LA Times, before I honor the New York Times, before I honor the Washington Post or Fox News or CNN or whatever I'm going to honor. Listen, the first thing you look at is the first thing you honor. And I want you to know there's something very profoundly powerful about starting and ending your days honoring God. So I've been doing this thing for years. I really recommend it. I, I, I try to only sell you guys what I smoke myself. Come on. I recommend this, that I actually start my day every morning, that before I look at anything else, I open up my Bible app, and in bed, my eyes are still waking up, I'll read a chapter out of the Bible, I'll find my favorite verse of the day, I'll make an image out of it, it takes like 20 seconds, I make an image out of it, I save it, and then I send it to like seven different threads, there's about 90-something people that I send this text message out to, Every single morning, there's a couple mornings I might forget to do it and I'll get back to it, but literally as a general rule, uh, actually there's probably a few people in the room. Is there anybody in the room that gets a text every morning? So some of you guys, yeah, all you guys right here in the front. So I like 90 people. Most of them are like athletes that played at Boise State or they're in the NBA or NFL now. But I wake up every morning and I send a verse of the day because listen to me, what you honor first has the ability to actually determine how the rest is. It. The rest is. And I believe most of our days are Godless because we don't honor God first. It's quiet up in here. It's all right. I'm not preaching to your faces. I'm preaching to your hearts. Is that all right? I want you to know that if you want to honor God, you want first and best. Let's do make a decision this year. 2020, we will be a community that we wake up every day and we put God to be first. So I'm going to start my day looking at my Bible that's glowing. And I'm going to read this verse. I'm going to meditate on it. Because here's what I know. When you read the Bible in the morning and at night, you will actually take on the flavor of what you meditate on. And many of you are full of fear and anxiety because the only thing you're meditating on is the news, the politics, the election, the economy, the stock market. I'm telling you, you want more peace in your life. you got to start marinating on the things that matter. Come on, let's start marinating on God's word. Look at the stock market. Look at your investments. But telling you the first and the last belong to God. Can I get a good amen? That's good teaching today. That's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to be a church that honors God, number one, with our time. And here's the second thing we're going to do. is We're going to be a church that honors God with our talents. Colossians 3.23, it says, it says that whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto men. I think most people are depressed because they're using their gifts, their abilities, their God-given graces, and the only person they're trying to glorify with those skill sets is themselves. Hear me very clearly. The fastest way of emptiness is to take all that God gave you and spend it on you. Why is, come on, why is depression epidemic? Because we're trained in school. Come on, use your brain. Get good grades for you so you can get a good job, so you can marry someone good looking, so you can live in a nice neighborhood, so you can go to your good, have your kids go to a good school, and your kids can get a good education, so you can get a good retirement, so you can get a good retirement life and golf every day. You got a, you got a good, good you, 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 you got to look out for number one, you. And we're wondering, why am I so empty? Because the only person I'm living to glorify is me. Why are you gathering sticks, widow? He's, she says, well, I'm gathering these sticks for myself and for my son. We're preparing our last, our last meal. God gave me this revelation. We have a generation of people that are surviving because they're gathering sticks only for themselves. I'm not going to be a, come on, I'm not going to be a Christian that's only gathering sticks for me. 
the apostle Paul gathered sticks to put on a fire to warm everyone that was in that village. You listen to me very clearly. We will be a church that gathers sticks, not for our benefit, but we're going to gather sticks so that we can benefit the whole of the area that we live in. I appreciate the courtesy clap. Thanks, Mom. Good to have you here today, Mom. I am convinced that there's people that literally, the only people that they're ever gathering for is themselves. Something shifts when you say, God, you gave me this career. I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm an investor, I'm a developer, I'm a school teacher, I'm a mailman, I'm a, I'm a FedEx delivery, I'm a, I work for Amazon. When you realize that every ability that you have, God gave you, and you can use it to glorify your name, or you can use it to glorify his name. Here's what I'm, not, I'm not saying you're going to sell your job and go into ministry full time. What I'm actually saying is very clear, is I think there's something powerful about saying, God, you made me really good at leading people, I do it for a living. So I'm going to start leveraging my leadership gift, and I'm going to start leading a small group in my church. I'm really good counselor. I get paid a lot of money to counsel people, and I do it vocationally. You know what I'm going to do? I'm actually start maybe getting involved in my community, my church, and start offering some of my services for free to people in need. I have a friend that's a, a really, really high-powered lawyer in Los Angeles. He has one of the most, he's like one of the most prominent lawyers for uh, nonprofits in the world. And literally, he sits on the board of several churches and represents the Dream Center, all these different churches, and does all of their legal fee stuff for free. I actually talked to him. He said, Mark, you ever need anything legally, you let me know. I'm like, dude, I can't afford you. He's like, no, I do this for free. This is my ministry to God's kingdom. It's so funny to me how we're like, man, I want to make as much money off of anyone that I can, including the church. I love the people, man. We built a building in Idaho. It's like probably 70,000 square foot facility. And we had, we had carpenters in our church like, I own a concrete company. I'll do all the concrete work, no labor. I'm going to put God first with my craft, with my skill. Are you following me today? There was roofers that said, man, well, look, I, I'm going to give to this. But listen, all that I have, all of my company, we will, we will leverage all that we do to build the house of God. You want fulfillment. This is what I've learned. Fulfillment and purpose is connected to using your gifts for God. And whenever the only person we're using our gifts for is ourselves it always creates a vacuum of emptiness is there any honest people in the room that said i've lived long enough to experience that you ever had who's ever had a uh, buyer's remorse man i gotta buy that i need that so bad and you buy it and right away like it was fun for like three months now i just want the money back why is it that spending your best on you leaves you empty but spending your best on others, and, and particularly when you actually build the kingdom of God through serving other people, building your local church, it creates this joy in you that money can't reproduce. I see guys like Ken who work a full-time job, and every Sunday morning here at the crack of whatever time the crack is, <laughs> here so early, setting things up. And there's a joy in him. He's like greeting people and smiling. Like, and there's something about, it's like, dude, you, you would think if you have a busy work week that the last thing you'd want to do is volunteer more hours to serve at the church. Wouldn't you think that if you were to actually give more hours of service after a long week of work that it would make you tireder? But it's the weirdest thing. Because everything you give God has the power to multiply. It's weird that his kingdom's upside down, that when you need more energy, you start serving the church. 
And all of a sudden, you start having more energy. And it's weird how, like, you're lacking funds, and all of a sudden, you start putting God first in your finances, and all of a sudden, your, your money's stretching further. It's so weird how, like, you're, like, lacking joy, and all of a sudden, you start giving encouragement to somebody else, and you start getting encouraged. Isn't it a funny thing how God set this thing up? Are you still with me today? So we're going to be a church that gathers sticks, not for ourselves, but for God by, come on, giving God our time. Number two, giving God our talents. I would encourage you, find out what you're good at and ask God for a way to weaponize your skill set to build his kingdom. You ask him, God, how can you use my skill set? I'm really friendly. I could greet some people every Sunday morning. I am very hospitable. You let me know if there's any families in the church that are going through a trying season and I will prepare meals for them. You, you, you show me what you're gifted at and ask God, God, would you weaponize this talent that you've given me? Why? Because giving your talents to God first will bless the rest of them. This is a good teaching today, man. Go ahead and teach, teacher. Preach, preacher. Amen. I amen myself. I just think so many people, they don't realize this. That's why I love people like Bodie and Lauren and people that have these music careers that are prolific. They're like the legit, they're legit musicians. They're like on Spotify and iTunes. And God will listen, continue to bless their music careers because there's something in their heart that says, look, I could work on staff at some mega church and make a lot of money and, and, and do my music still, but I know God called me to Ocean's Church. And I would pass up being paid musicians to use my talent for God first. And it's the craziest thing that as I put them first, it's like God starts breathing on all that I'm doing Monday through Saturday. I believe you'll never go backwards in life by putting God first. I would tweet that if I was sitting in that seat. I've never seen anyone go backwards by putting God first. I've seen a lot of people go backwards by putting themselves first. It's going to take care. I've got to collect sticks for myself and for my son. The band can come up here. I'm almost finished. We're going to put God first with our time as a church, as with our talents. And here's where it's going to get really, really quiet, but I love it, with our treasures. I love it. Because you talk about money in church, and the stingy start squeaming, and the generous start smiling. I want you to know we don't need any of your money. God does not need your money. Little reminder, uh, where we're going, the cement is made out of gold. So I want to remind everybody, God's not struggling. He's not living in a trailer somewhere, praying that some people in Orange County start giving to his kingdom. We don't give so that God can pay his bills. Can I get a good amen? God is not struggling. He's not, he's not Jehovah broke or Jehovah barely. He's not Jehovah barely making it. He's He's actually the ruler and the king. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He says, if I had a need, I wouldn't ask you. That's what he says in the Bible. If I had a need, you think I would come to you? Hey, I need some money. God does not need our money. He does not care about how much your, work, your net worth is. He's not impressed, man. That's how much. Listen to me. A couple things God can't do. Number one, God can't change. Scholars call it the law of immutability. It means that God's immutability is he can't change because to change would insinuate you can improve. God cannot improve. He can't get any better than he currently is. So because he can't change, come on, he's number one. Not only is he immutable, he's, a, he's never had an epiphany before. God has never said this phrase, you know, I just thought of something. He's never said, it just occurred to me. 
God is not a man that thinks like we think. He doesn't change. He doesn't get new ideas. And listen to me. The third thing that God can't, can't do is he can't be second. And I want you to know that tithing, listen, very, 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 I don't teach on money every week. Because again, most people think when pastors teach on money, they want something from you. And I would agree with you. There's a lot of churches that have pastors that want something from the people. But I want you to know at Ocean's Church, I don't want anything from you. We're a blessed church. I don't know of any church our age that has been as prolifically blessed, even financially, as our church has been. We have money in the bank. We're already saving for our next home. We give away thousands of dollars every month. I'm just, we, we are not in need. So I want you to hear this very clearly. I do not want anything from you today. But I am very clear that I do want something for you. If I knew the, yeah, I want, I want, a very, I want something for you today. If I knew the cure of cancer, but if I was to share the cure, I might offend some of you. I want you to know I'm still going to share it. Because I know that the thing that's killing you, I have the solution for. And I know some of you are like, Mark, I have money. I don't need more money. And in Orange County, that's probably true for a lot of you. So this is not a money message. This is a, if you need God in an area of your life, my family, my kids, my grandkids, my business, my marriage. Here's what the truth is, is if you'll honor God with the first, it, it doesn't just bless you monetarily. It says that this widow would go on to actually have her son die. And it's interesting to me that God would save her life and then her son goes on to die and Elijah has to come back and bring her son back from the dead. It's crazy that she would go on to need a miracle later that was not financial or monetary. She would need a miracle in her, in her children. Some of you need to realize this today, that putting God first with your time, with your talents, and with your treasure is not just a monetary blessing from heaven. It's when the favor of God comes on your household. There's a lot of things in life that money, come on, quite frankly, will never purchase. Come on, kids that love God. Marriages that get healthier and deeper in love every year. And I want you to know, I'm going to fight. I'm fighting in Orange County. We're going to pastor a church that has, come on, healthy marriages, that the divorce rate is non-existent in the future in our church. And we're going to be a church that have kids that serve God from the cradle to the grave. Half our church believes it. That's what we're here for. I'm telling you, I don't believe they have to sow wild oats. I don't think that the devil has anything to offer them that God doesn't. I believe that we have the greatest message on the earth. We have the greatest God on the planet. And listen, if we have the greatest God on the earth, why would we leave him for a season? My wife has the greatest story you can have. I discovered his goodness when I was a kid, and I never had a desire to leave it. People think that the greatest testimony is the guy that comes back from meth or the guy that slept with a million people and came back to the Lord or this ex-star in this industry. Listen, those are all powerful. But listen, the most powerful story you can have is that my mom and dad, they raised me in the house of God, and at a young age, I encountered his goodness. And he was so ridiculously good, I never had an appetite to leave his side. We, I'm going to fight. You better believe I'm waging war on divorce, on dysfunctional families, on addicted kids, on alcoholism, on drug abuse. You, you mark my words, Ocean's Church and the Movement Church, we are actually, we, God put us here to bring health to this region. You show me a city that's revived, I'll show you churches that are revived. Ocean's Church, are you hearing me today, will be a community. That, why does this happen? Because God's not just first with our time. 
He's not just first with our talents. We're going to be the church that's all in, even with my money. It always gets quiet right there. We should probably get going. Why do we trust God with everything except our money? Because the Bible says the fastest way for God to possess your heart is for him to possess your checkbook. It's funny, I always say this, but you only care about stocks that you're invested in. And I'll tell you, if you want God's heart, you want, you want God to possess more of your heart, there's something about saying, God, like this, this is hard-earned money. I, I work, my time represents money. Because I work this, that's how much money I make an hour. So if you make $20 an hour, that $20 represents an hour of something you'll never get back. So when you honor God financially, here's what we know. Cain and Abel, and I'll close. Are you still with me today? I'll, hear my heart. We don't need anything from you. But I do want something for you. Why is, your, why is, why is there perpetual struggling? There's scriptures, I'll talk about them later. But there's passages in the Bible that say when you don't honor God with your tithe, your pockets will always have holes in them. You can make $500,000, a million dollars a year and still live paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because people that don't tithe always say the same thing. And people that do tithe, ooh, something in there. People that do tithe always say the same thing. People that tithe, whether you make a lot or a little, they always say this, we're so blessed. Any tithers in the room say, man, God's always taking care of us. Always had a roof over my head, always had food in my bank, always... God's taking care of us. He's faithful. But it's funny because people that don't tithe, they always say the same thing. I can't afford to tithe. I can't. Like, I just, I got to pay my bills. I got truck payment, car payment, bills, company bills. I just want you to know, you'll never be able to afford to do it until you do it. Because it's a test. Tithe. 10% test. You know what tithing is? It's not just 10%. Here's where we, we, we miss out on this. Tithing is not just 10%. It's actually the first 10%. So if you made a $1,000 profit increase, it's not just giving God $100. Let's say you have $1,000 bills. Tithe is not just giving God $100. It's literally, what's the first what, what's, what's the tithe of the $100 bills? There's 10. It's the first one. Which one's the first one? It's the first one that you spend. It's the first, listen, the first that you, the first part of your increase is what has the power to redeem the rest. And that's why I'm telling you, I'm not going to honor my power bill first. I'm not going to honor my mortgage first because my mortgage company does not have the power to bless my life. My car company does not have the power to bless my life. My Uncle Willie used to say this, if you can't afford to pay all your bills already, you're, you're behind, start tithing. Because listen, if you're, already, if you're already behind, there's no power from any of these people. But if I'll put God first, you watch how he opens up the windows of heaven and he begins to pour out favor, not just monetary. It will be monetary, but it's not just monetary. Is this a give to get message? No, it's a get to give message. It's a, I remember that I was a slave in tyranny. I remember the scars on my back from my dark living, my dark lifestyles. I remember being addicted to pornography and alcohol and smoking substances. And I remember living with anxiety, fear, and without hope in the world. But when I was 18 years old, God with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand, he would pull me out of a dark lifestyle in a dark place and say, Mark, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for your future. They're good, not evil. I'm going to give you a future. I'm going to give you hope. You're going to marry a girl that's way better looking than you are. I'm a preacher. I got to tell the truth. This girl's going to love God more than you do. She's better than you are. 
You're going to have kids that are adorable that will never know the pain that you grew up with. You're going to have a vocation that's well beyond your experience and your education and even your intellect. And my goodness is going to come all over your life. Why? Because he's a God that's rich in mercy. So when I give, remember Chloe? I don't give because I'm like, well, God, here's your 10%. Here's your cut. I remember that everything I have in my life is from God. I think about where I should be today. Some of you would get really generous if you thought about where you would be without God. I should be in some psychiatric, I should be in some rehab center right now. But God, with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm, this is not a, you give God the first of your tithe and you'll never have financial challenges. It's just literally, it's, it's, it's you saying, God, I want you to be first in every area. And whatever I increase in, you will have the first of it. I tithe on my Christmas money. I tithe when I sold my house. I got to show my little girl the largest check I've ever written to this church. Oceans is having a great month because of me. Come on, somebody. And I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest joys of my life to say, God, this is the increase of my house. You are getting the first. And before I honor anyone else, you're getting the honor. And I've learned this, that whatever you put them first in, you'll, you'll bless the rest. And here's where I'm going to be really audacious and do something you'll probably never hear again in church. I can't vow for other churches. I will say this. If you think I want your money, start, find a random church, find a movement church, start tithing. So say yes to that. Start tithing to a different church. If you think this is like Mark just wants my money, I do not want your money. I want God to own your heart. And if you think I want your money, start tithing to another church randomly and watch how God blesses your life. Watch how new clients come into your life, how things in your family start coming coming into into place. And let me just go a little further on this, but I will do this. I I can't promise other churches, but I can promise ours that if you'll start tithing to Ocean's Church, right now, to whenever you want, to this year, today, I'll make, a, I'll make a zero worry guarantee that if you tithe to our church in the next three to six months, you come back to me. If you're not in a better place, not just monetarily, it will be, but a better place in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your career, if you are worse off in three to six months, you come back to me, I will write you a check for every dollar you give to this church. Why would you do that? Because the only, listen, before you clap, the only place in the Bible that God says, test me, is money. It is the only place in Scripture that God says, I dare you to try me in this. And watch if I don't open up the windows of heaven. My wife and I started a magazine from Boise, Idaho, one of the top kids' magazines in the world. My wife did not go to fashion school, design school. She's self-educated. How did you start La Petite Magazine? My wife and I, we honor God with our finances. And it's amazing that when you put him first, he breathes on all that you touch telling you that we're not the best, the most gifted. We were just faithful with what God gave us. I started tithing as a janitor when I made like six bucks an hour. And I'm really glad that I started doing it then because it would have been really hard to start doing it now. Some of you, you have a lot. You're like, man, if I started actually tithing, that's a lot of money. Exactly. It's all God's. So, please, you think I want your money? Don't give today. And don't give ever. But if you, I want something for you today. I promise you. What happens when we do this? Well, we change the world. Because you know what the average ratio is in churches today? 7% of people in churches tithe. In 1998, there was a study that $15 trillion came in through the body of Christ. $5.2 trillion was given to the kingdom of God. It's 1.8%. In America, in 1998, $5.2 trillion was given to the body of Christ in America. 
So one-third of the body of Christ's wealth is in America. One-third. 1.8%. There was like uh, $90, $90 billion given from the church. Listen, do you know what happens when the body of Christ, all, if our whole church tithes, you know what happens? We would have more than we need. We would never do car wash. We would never have to do car wash fundraisers for camp. We would never have to do bake sales for women's ministries. We would never do all these weird little fundraisers. And guess what else? We would always have all the needs, that, all the funds we need. We would take care of every widow, every orphan. We take care of, we could take care of medical bills. There was a church just last week that wrote a check for $5.2 million to pay for the debts of people in, in California. You know what the world's looking for? The church to be the church. I, I promise you, one of the things that Oceans will be, it will be a generous church. And if generosity is not, you're like, you're like, I don't like generosity, then you probably need to find another church. Because we're not blessed to be greedy. I'm blessed to be generous. Seed of Abraham. Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessed blessing to many nations. This is strong. I kind of like strong sometimes. I think it's better to get smacked with the truth than kiss with a lie. Can I get an amen? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.